Welcome into your betting preview for this week's Sanderson Farms Championship. I'm Rick Gaiman. That right there, Andy Lacken. Andy, here we go. Full field event, 36-hole cut, starting to feel a little bit more like normal golf. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I enjoyed the hell out of the President's Cup, but I always feel kind of like everything is in its right place when we are dealing with a 156-man, 72-hole stroke play cut event. It's kind of just... My sweet spot. We're headed to Jackson, Mississippi, the country club of Jackson. We're looking right now, if you're watching on YouTube, at the odds checker grid. And no surprise that Sam Burns, the defending champion, the consensus best player in the field, is the favorite. The longest odds you can get on him, 11 to 1 at DraftKings. He's 10 to 1, mostly across the rest of the industry. And then there's a large gap, Andy, to Sahith Tagala at 20. Russell Henley at 25, JT Poston at 27, and Denny McCarthy at 28. So we've got a situation where there is one guy that odds makers are saying, yeah, th this is the guy everybody else is in a different tier. Yeah. And, you know, I have to say, like, I was going through the numbers and, and modeling things out. And this really does remind me of what we had in Mexico earlier last year with Rom. And actually, my numbers suggest that the gap because Tony Finau played in Mexico too. Remember the gap between Sam Burns and Sahith Tagala is actually greater than the gap that uh, John Rom had over some of the top end guys in Mexico. I really am that high on Sam Burns when you consider the fact that he's already won at this course before. It's just a really good course fit for him, and you know his uh, his record at the Presidents Cup, in my opinion, personally. Very misleading. I thought that he played sure. great. I thought that he had kind of got the short end of the stick with some of the partnerships and some of the guys that he ran up against on the international side, just playing their exact best golf at, at the perfect time. Now, the issue that I have is ten, like 10 to one. Are we, do I, do we really feel that confident in him? And I think the other question that I would ask you regarding Burns is, do you view him playing in the president's cup as a positive or a negative? Because part of me says, man, he looked really good. He's got to be full of confidence. And the other part of me says they, he still might be hungover. Yeah. And he played five matches, but he played him over four days. I'm, I'm not at all worried about Sam Burns this week. I just removed this morning, Sebastian Munoz from the tournament predictor where I simulate the event a thousand times because of his withdrawal on Monday, pushed Sam Burns to a win percentage of 9.4%, which is kind of getting close to where you, where you need that to be. Um, the, the, the bigger thing that I have with Burns, Andy is more of a, uh, macro conversation about the state of golf betting. Nine of the last 16 winners are 20 to one or shorter, which is a trend that I would normally blow off. I would say, yeah, it's going to even itself out eventually, but I do think a lot of it is tied to the live guys that left and they took their 3% win equity from the middle of the board every single week and they bounced and we are seeing a lot more guys at the top cash it in. And I'm like, starting to get worried that this is not necessarily a trend and something that we're going to see more of in the future. And this golf course kind of complicates things further because you have 
Sam Burns win here last year at tense one, but this is also a golf course where, you know, around 41% of strokes gained last year came with the flat stick. Like that falls pretty firmly in the putting contest zone. And you look historically at the winners, even when Sergio won, he was 70 to one Munoz, 70 to one Cameron champ, 125 Ryan armor, 125. Cody Gribble plus one uh, over a hundred to one Peter Nick Taylor was 400 to one. Right. So you kind of have this interesting push and pull with that is a been a like strong recent trend. And there's probably enough of a sample size there for us to say, you know what, there's really something here, but this is also a golf course, any golf course where Cody Gribble and Peter Malnati and Ryan armor can compete is not a golf course necessarily that does the best job of separating elite T to green play from weaker T to green play. This is not a Tory pines where you could argue that a third of the field is dead on arrival. So It's tough for me. I t- to kind of answer the original question. I I will not be on Burns at ten to one. DraftKings, much different story for me. But I'm still probably living in that middle tier for better or worse. And I kind of need to get kicked in the face just a couple more times by those ten to one guys before I start changing up my whole strategy. All right. Well, you might you might get a kick in the face this week. I I agree with you. I don't know if I'll get there on Sam, but I'm. My, you know, my, my face is starting to hurt a little bit and uh, <laughs> I'm starting to worry about the kicks. Uh, worth noting before we move down to this next tier, there are some pretty big discrepancies out there in the industry. Uh, if you're looking at the grid, Denny McCarthy, as short as 18 to one, as long as 28. JT Poston, if you want to talk about putting contests with these two, uh, as short as 16 to one, as long as 27 to one. So if you're in a place where you can shop it, uh, definitely worth doing that as we enter the thirties, the forties, and even just in front of the fifties, this is a lot of names here, Andy, and and guys that have been playing well in Scott Stallings and Taylor Montgomery guys that uh, have figured out the worst part of their game. I'm looking at you, Emiliano Grillo. We've got Christian Bezadenhout here. We've got Thomas Dietrich. Like what? It's a grab bag here. So what are we grabbing? Huge range. Um, For me, uh, there's two guys in this range that I really like, and I've already bet the first one's Davis Riley. Um, I just think it's a good buy low opportunity for Riley, just kind of out like a, from a bird's eye view, I really like looking at, okay, am I, am I buying this guy at a very low price? Am I buying him at a very high price? And I think we have a nice opportunity with Riley, a guy that probably if he made the cut and played well at Fortinet would be in the Sahith range. And he missed the cut because as you see on the screen, he lost close to like eight and a half strokes short game and putting. Right. And (laughs) you know, it's, 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 I think sometimes we take it too far with the, Oh man, if this guy could only putt, like I, I get it, but Davis Riley hit the ball statistically better than Taylor Montgomery did last week. And Taylor Montgomery is higher in the odds now and finished third because he gained 11 strokes putting. Whereas Davis Riley is a guy that almost won colonial, almost won in Mexico, almost lost in a playoff to Sam Burns at the Valspar. Right. So I just think it's a pretty good buy low opportunity on Davis Riley here. Yeah. I'm, I'm certainly in agreement there. The other name that I've already clicked is Emiliano Grillo. Like I'm when you turn into a good putter now six straight events in which Grillo has uh gained strokes with the flat stick he finished 25th at the Fortinet which is more than a respectable finish uh like I'm just going to keep going back to you until something tells me otherwise here yeah and and what's interesting about Grillo is like yeah he's 
I think he ended the season last year gaining over a stroke putting in four or five straight starts. I don't know if that's enough of a sample size for us to say that he really has that fixed, but I always love when players that we know are good at something start to figure out the thing that has always been their biggest bugaboo. And with Grio, I've always trusted that his ball striking is good enough to win on the PGA tour. Right. I, I mean, I, it, he is pretty consistently one of the better iron players and he's good off the tee too. Um, at least j- as at least in this field. Right. Um, so the fact that he's figured out the putter is encouraging. The other guy that I want to throw out before we go a little bit farther down is Thomas Dietrich. And I'm generally not, I'm a big sample size guy, Rick. I'm not generally a guy that, you know, likes to try and be early on somebody if I don't need to. But I think it's a different case with Dietrich because Dietrich is a guy who's been around the block a lot on the PGA tour. And you have the, um, you have Rick run good up there. My, favorite part of the website is now that you guys have euro stats which is actually really for better or worse i'll be blaming it on you if the dietrich (laughs) thing doesn't work out but now getting a look at all those euro stats i mean this is a guy that is pretty dominant off the tee right and he showed it at the fortinet last week and he's also the type of player that like one thing that i like to look at rick is can, do you have the ability to spike in all four categories, right? Because if you have that ability and you time it up in the same week, that is a win, right? And Dietrich is the off the tee is the best, but he's also had some really good approach weeks mixed in there. He can get hot with the putter. He's not a bad putter by any means. Even the short game has had some great weeks as well. So Dietrich was kind of the other guy in this range that I was looking at as well. Yeah, he's exciting. And as we continue to roll down the grid, I start to find some more question marks. And I think even odds makers would agree. Like Seamus Power, for example, if you're looking at the grid, as short as 37, as long as 50. So I I skew probably cooler on Seamus than most. I'm like a four out of 10. But if you're a six or a seven out of 10 on Seamus, you can get a 50 to one hanging on him out there somewhere. I don't know if you have any strong feelings about him or anybody else as we kind of step into uh, the back half of this board. Yeah, I'm, I would say I'm about a four out of 10 on Seamus as well. I'm like concerningly like a 7.58 out of 10 on my boy, Gary Woodland, who that is concerning. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Who, uh, lost, like had one of his worst off the tee performances in about a year and a half compared with one of his best approach weeks in the season. And on a golf course like Jackson, where, um, there's not a giant penalty for wayward driving. It's kind of a course where you can hit, it's one of the straightest courses on the PGA tour and you can hit driver on every hole and the, they water these greens they are pretty receptive. Like I am going to be more inclined to favor the approach play. And, uh, you know, Woodland is a guy, would he be the first major winner to come in at 60, 70 to one and kind of at a depressed price and win the Sanderson farms? He would not. Sergio Garcia fit a somewhat similar profile to Woodland a year and a half ago, two years ago. So I think, again, it's a decent opportunity for Woodland, who is just a better player at 60 to 1 than some of the guys uh, that he's priced around. I want to take a second to talk about Athletic Greens, which has become a staple in my daily routine. And for those of you who have been following for a while, you know that I take gut health very seriously. So I started taking AG1 as an attempt to get everything down there under control. 
and I've been taking it for a few weeks and I feel much better throughout the day. I'm having way less acid reflux and I've been able to stay focused for longer when I'm sitting in front of a computer. It's one scoop of a green drink that I take first thing in the morning and I know what you're thinking, a green drink like trust me i've i've tried all of them and most have a chalky or a chunky taste to them which is not great most smell horrible i'll i'll admit all of that uh athletic greens for me bucks that trend it's smooth there's there's no chunks the smell is is just fine and it's easy enough for me to get get it down when i take it at 5:30 in the morning it's legit 75 high quality vitamins probiotics and adaptogens so it's no surprise that i'm actually feeling better and when i rattle off the benefits it sounds like it's going to be really expensive uh, it's quite reasonable it comes out to about $3 a day and i tell my wife all the time there is no price that I wouldn't pay to feel good, especially gut stuff, because it controls so much other things that go on in your body. So imagine paying $3 a day to feel good. That's some of the best ROI I could ever imagine. Um, so if you want to get involved, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of an immune-supporting vitamin D and 5 free travel packs with your first purchase. Uh, visit athleticgreens.com slash 300 yards. Again, that's athleticgreens.com 300 yards to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Yeah, that 60 is the best number available. It's at it's at DraftKings. I've kind of stopped my outrights well before this, but I do think that there are some interesting names when it comes to like the finishing position markets. You know, Will Gordon is a hundred to one. He might be back in great form. Davis Thompson as short as 80, as yes. long as 125. I'm a Thompson uh truther. I don't necessarily think he's going to win, but I'll have exposure to him in some of these finishing position markets that are driven by these outright numbers. So I think I'm in I'm in that frame of mind when I'm at this portion of the board, Andy, but, um, how are you kind of assessing the, the long shots? Yes. And on Thompson, by the way, uh, I haven't made any bets down here. I'll probably add one or two guys at longer odds. Um, I will say, uh, just a quick plug of the podcast too. I had Luke less caddy on this week, Jeff Willett. Um, and Luke does love this place. Uh, I, you know, he's finished fourth year before, I don't know if he'll end up making my outright card, but I think he is an intriguing option uh, for DFS. He hasn't been playing great, but you know his caddy swears by, and not like he's biased at all, but his caddy right. swears <laughs> that the putting, even though the stats aren't really showing it right now, that he sort of kind of started to find something on the green. So he's another name that I have interest on from a finishing position standpoint. But yeah. Davis Thompson, uh, I mean, we can, depending on how low you want to get, there's some guys like Austin Smotherman and Ben Taylor that I like as kind of right. super deep long shots. But yeah, I haven't made any bets down here as of now. Um, okay, let's talk about the matchup market because I do think there are some intriguing options. I have DraftKings up right now, which, okay, by the way, they've spelled Taylor Montgomery's name wrong. So... <laughs> What you could do, here's the life hack. You bet on uh, Keegan Bradley, and then if Taylor Montgomery wins, you say, no, 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 it wasn't Taylor Montgomery, the guy in the golf tournament. You had some other guy listed. Keegan definitely beat him, and then you dispute it, and you win either way. Yeah, judging, <laughs> <Life> <laughs> judging, <hack. laughs> yeah judging how DraftKings has 
typically been with <laughs> uh, customer complaints regarding a lot of their interfaces and and stuff with the uh, with the draft with the sportsbook and the daily fantasy side of things. Uh, I'm not sure how much I would count on that, but I actually do like the Keegan side of that matchup. Like I, I'm, you know, for better or worse, I'm going to fade somebody who gained 11 strokes putting 10 times out of 10, which is what Montgomery yeah. did. And probably around, I don't know, 25, 30% of the time, I'll maybe really regret that decision and get burned. But that is for me, like a betting one Oh one is this guy overvalued based on a somewhat fraudulent way to his last finish. Yes. That is like the most like number one betting one Oh one thing for me. So that is a matchup that I would definitely have some interest on the Keegan side. Yeah, Keegan uh, plus one hundred to Taylor Montgomery's minus one thirty. There are a couple of interesting. So you were kind of talking about um, buying low on potentially. It was who were we talking about here? Uh, Davis Riley. Davis Riley. Okay, and kind of looking at like that longer term stuff. Well, Russell Henley, I think, kind of falls into that category for me, where one hundred round Russell Henley is way better than like 24 around Russell Henley and he's had five weeks off. So if I think maybe he gets back to 100 round Russell Henley, he is way, way, way better than Christian Bezadenhout. And it's, it's mine. It's minus 130 to plus 105 on, on Bez's side. But like, that's a guy that I don't know how books or if books do a good enough job of saying, this is what he's been doing recently, but now you add in the time off. You know he's been in Georgia. You know he's been working on stuff. You know he's been resting. Like that, I'm, I'm quite interested in a Henley matchup exposure. Yeah, I really like Russell Henley too. I, you know, he was actually under some consideration for me as an outright, and I still have room for him if that's a direction that I decide to go down. But yeah, I mean, what's and I to be honest with you, I kind of wanted to do a deeper dive on this, but the week kind of just got away from me is, you know, the Sanderson Farms is like the second event of the fall swing. So I would be curious to see in the past how many times the winner of this event needed to play the Fortnite right? Versus, you know, if it's their first start of the season, because some of the guys that didn't play the Fortnite, I've been trying to figure like, do I like the guys that played at the Fortnite better? Do I like the guys that didn't play better than the guys that played bad at the Fortnite? Like I haven't quite figured out how I feel about that. And Russ kind of had a slower end to the season, but you're right. If you start to look at his long-term baseline, Henley is unreal on Bermuda. He is probably the best wedge player in this field. And you're still going to have a fair amount of wedges on this course, despite its length. And I think that in the matchup market, there is a lot of value on him based on the guys that they have matched up against him. Right. So I plugged this into the head to head matchup tool, a hundred round baseline for both Henley and Bezadenhout. I have Henley winning it about 55 and a half percent of the time, which is very close to the actual money line that DraftKings is posting right now. But uh, what you'll notice is, I mean, he gains strokes to the field. He gains one or more strokes to the field, two or more, much more frequently than Bezadenhout does. And on a golf course like this, I don't know. I just think the path is is much wider for Henley at the top of the board. So um, definitely some exposure there. You can get, you can get, how about this? Two of your guys against one another, uh, Gary Woodland, Alex Smalley, minus 110 each. Yeah. How shout out Duke as usual. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, Alex Smalley is, 
he's like, I'm find some way to get exposure to him every single week. He's another kind of macro buy for me. And he is like a, he is a very frustrating player, but I think that if you stick around with him, he does have the upside to win on the PGA tour, even this year. Um, that would probably be a one that's like trying to pick between my two children. I'd probably stay away there, but, um, Svensson, do, do we got anything on my boy Svensson? Another macro buy for me. That's a guy that I've just been totally. Oh yeah, there he is against Brendan Steele down at the bottom. Yes, Steele versus Svensson. One ten. Yeah. Talk about two guys that I've just been Oof. burning a hole in my pocket with Steele and the putting and stuff. But that's another intriguing one. I I will definitely have some exposure to Svensson this week. Watching Brendan Steele putt is horribly painful but you know what's sick about that at least for me i don't know about you andy i would love to putt like brendan Steele, right i would yeah. love to putt like lucas glover i would love to putt like luke list like all these scrubs that get lapped every single week and just hemorrhage strokes on the greens uh i would love to putt i would die to putt like any of them that's another thing i was talking <laughs> about with luke's caddy like if you look at um his uh his like approach putting which is another stat that um Rick run good has and, and kind of just like how he does on putts over 25 feet. Like if you played around with him, his touch is unbelievable. The reason why he comparatively speaking, hemorrhages strokes on the green is because his make percentage from four to eight feet is lower than tour average. Honestly, it's a make percentage that I would probably sign for as like a four or five handicap, which just puts in perspective how good these guys are. But yeah, I mean, it, we make it incredibly, incredibly, we act like it's incredibly, incredibly frustrating when these guys do what they do. But I think people, I think people forget sometimes that like a, basically like a seven foot putt is like a 50, 50 proposition on the PGA tour. And we act like they should go in every single time. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Even, even like the best putters on play, like Denny McCarthy makes eight footers, like 57% of the time or something like that. Right. And he's by far the best in the world. <laughs> right. Right. It's yeah. It's uh, our standards are kind of a little out of whack there. Yes. Uh, we need to talk one and done. We've got one event under our belts. And of course we got a chalk winner. Uh, and, but we are going to do that after a quick word about Andy's podcast. Andy Lack is one of the nerdiest golf guys that I know, and I mean that as an absolute compliment. His knowledge of course architecture allows him to create some of the most actionable course previews available, and he offers up pure expertise on his own podcast, the Inside Golf Podcast. Twice a week, he offers course breakdowns, DFS, and betting strategy for every PGA Tour event, and he expands the universe by bringing on entertaining and knowledgeable guests who can offer a different viewpoint of the game that we love follow inside golf pod on twitter and download inside golf wherever you download podcasts and we're back andy luke list cat you've already you've already teased it you are rocking and rolling on that pod. i'm loving everything you know we're starting to get into more like cool interviews which is which is yeah. nice i've 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 been starting to make that switch i have a great ireland podcast coming up in the next couple of weeks. I'm going to do a lot of band and dunes content as well. So yeah, no, I appreciate that. It was, it was quite fun to get to talk to his caddy and, and check it out inside golf podcast. Um, one and done. So Armina has the slide here. Can we thank you much? 
Okay, so this is from the Fortinet. I cannot remember who either one of us picked, but I got 55,000 and you got 16,000. Do we remember? I picked Taylor Pendrith. Okay, and I had I think I had uh, Emiliano Grillo. That sounds right. right. Okay. Right. So Pendrith and Grillo, uh, 55,000 to 16,000. This is the first time I have had a lead in our one and done <laughs> in probably over a year. It might be longer than that. Yeah. You know, it, it might. And, and quite the pillow fight that we had. And I, um, yes. I, I imagine I haven't checked the standings, but I, the worst in one and done, especially when you're in a big league is when like I picked Cam Davis who in our, in our big uh, run and done league who missed the cut. And it's like, I have to imagine that. I don't know. A fair amount of people picked Max Homa. 37 out of 800. I, I thought it was going to be more than that, but Me I believe too. he was, um, Oh boy. I don't know how to find it quickly. I think he, he was definitely one of like the higher owned golfers. I believe. had to be, had to be, had to be. I mean, he should have been. And, and I tried to zag somewhat i it wasn't really no. much of a zag with Maybe Cameron I'm davis confused. probably more i'm confused here so pendrith was by far the most popular in the run and done 22 percent grillo was 10 mcneely davis sahith steel homo was only four and a half percent wow wow so what i guess it's scrubs, what a bunch of scrubs we play with how is he only four and a half percent neither of us had him but how is he only four and a half percent right right no it's that's a true you know overthinking it situation. I think that, that all of us are, are guilty on it. You know, I think just to discuss strategy and then, and I'll dovetail it with my pick and ours. I think this is a week where again, like there is no need for you to get super cute. Right. Um, Sam Burns is an interesting one, right? Uh, Sam Burns is really the only guy you could kind of talk me into Russell Henley. Sam Burns is the only guy where you could say, I really want to save this guy for a bigger purse, but I don't think there's going to be another tournament on the schedule where Sam Burns has, has, has of high of a win probability as he does this week. Um, I considered him for our one man for our, uh, one V one. I think I'm probably going to go with Henley, but do you see any merit in some of the bigger leads? Maybe rolling out Burns here? I do. Um, so I think that there is enough of, hey, I could save Burns. Hey, I wonder if he's still hungover. Hey, uh, I have everyone available to me. I think there's enough of those three sentiments that Sam Burns is not outrageously picked in a larger one and done. I think he's going to be the most popular, but I don't think it's going to be super outrageous. We still have got, we've got Taylor Montgomery love, you know, we've got Sahith love. We, if you think it's going to be a putting contest, Denny McCarthy and JT Poston are both sub 20 to one. I think there's enough of that to keep Burns somewhat reasonable, all things considered. So I'm okay rolling him out in something bigger. Over under 10% in the run and done over. You think I was yeah. going to go under, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm very curious to see where it played out. Maybe my perspective is colored a bit by the fact that Homa was, yeah. you know, four or 5%, but you know, it's interesting. There is, 
group think kind of takes hold for some reason or another. And like, there is that guy Pendrith was 21% last week. Who do you think the best candidate this week is to be 20% Montgomery Taylor? Montgomery. You think? Yeah, I just, and you're right there. Every, okay. The, the other thing about one and done is if everyone wants to be like the really smart guy in the moment, yeah. right. Which is like, which is like Taylor Pendrith. You know, what have I seen from Taylor Pendrith that deserves he he's the guy in Napa, which I, and I liked him. Right. But like, oh, why don't I just play by far the best player in the field and the defending champion Max Homer? Right. Like if we would have if we would make picks six months in advance for a lot of people, that would probably end up being better. So there's definitely this prisoner of the moment thing that happens every single week. And I believe that is uh, Montgomery this week. Yeah, I think what happens is everybody wants to not pick the most obvious guy. So they pick what they think is the sneaky guy, but actually is the most ends up being the most obvious guy, which is Pendrith last week could be Montgomery this week. I would throw out Sahith as well as yeah. another. I think everybody loves like no one lo- likes, and it's the same thing with DraftKings with the highest price player. No one likes the highest price player. They like to justify it in their heads. Is like, okay, I'm not going to pick the most obvious guy. I'm going to pick the second most obvious guy. And I think this week, uh, even on the odds boards too, you can make a case that guy's Sahith. You could make a case it's Montgomery. I think maybe JT Poston will probably get some love this week. Um, I won't give away my run and done pick, but for us, I'm going to rock with Russell Henley. Okay, I'll just play Sam Burns. I'll just... No, no reason for me to beat around the bush. I'll play Sam Burns. I would have really liked, you know who I would have liked to have played was Sebastian Munoz. Yeah, me too. Who another guy like looked really good for the international team. If I like my biggest criticism for Trevor Erwin was probably not giving Munoz more run in that president's cup. Um, his singles match with Scheffler was pretty electric like he was when he gets hot he gets absolutely scorching hot so yeah bummer to see him not here this week yeah he was 2-0-1 and past champion and uh withdrew on monday morning which is um stinks because i would like to apply i would i would have because he would have been the guy that i would have said okay in a larger one and done don't pick burns let everybody go to montgomery let everybody go to sahif and play sebastian munoz and i would have been happy with that but Right. Hopefully we get him back. Now, are you going to Vegas? Are you going to go to Summerlin next oh, week? Yeah. yeah, I'll be yeah. out there basically all week. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell it's going to yeah. be awesome. I can't wait. They redid. I don't know if they actually re... I got to find out. They, I know they at least like resodded everything. All new fairways, all new greens. It's been mm. shut down for six months. I don't know if they like added any tee boxes or anything like that, but it's all... Like that place has been closed since April. Well, uh, let me, you know, I'm the big agronomy guy. So let me yeah, know if I'll you actually find I'll send anything some out. Today. Yeah. I'll send yeah. some text today and find out what they did. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm excited for that. It'll be good. Vegas and, uh, it usually gets a decent field. I guess we, I mean, like Sung Jay's the past champ. We'll probably get him. Can't like come sometimes. Victor generally comes. It gets, like does, a decent does Victor field. come? Yeah. We'll miss. I know another guy who is one there before and been good there that will miss this year's Bryson, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and the other problem is going to be, so I think it was each of the last two years that there was back-to-back weeks in Vegas. Remember they did the CJ cup mm-hmm. at shadow Creek and then they did it at, um, summit. Yeah. And 
that was a really good excuse for guys to be like, okay, well, obviously I'm going to go because I'm going to play both of these. So like Rory was at Summit Club. He didn't play Shriners, but like Vegas got like they got a lot of guys because they were going to pl- end up playing back to back weeks. I don't know how that schedule without that event is going to impact who the comes field, and, right? Yeah. Because if I'm correct, it goes after Vegas or going back to South Carolina for. Right. For because it's going to be at Congaree, right? Which is yeah. kind of interesting to have on the schedule. They're on in the southeast and they go all the way west, but eh, whatever. We'll see. Andy Lack available on Twitter at ADP Lack Sports. No, ADP Sports. What is it? ADP, AD, Lack, Sports. ADP yeah. Lack Sports. Yeah. I don't know why my brain, I've said that 400 times. My brain just malfunctioned. ADP Lack Sports. Uh, you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been your betting preview for this week's Sanderson Farms. Good luck. <laughs>